Welcome to House Call with Dr. Mac, where you get a real doc with straight talk for the whole you. It's here in the House Call community where we have created an inviting space for you to hear individuals' health stories, gain healthcare providers and other experts' perspectives. It is our mission that with the knowledge you gain, you will be able to connect your own health dots, see a complete picture of yourself, and begin to experience whole person care. So let's sit down. Let's get started. Let's have some conversations. Let's connect these dots. Let's get some straight talk. And welcome back to House Call with Dr. Mac. We are delving into a subject matter that we've kind of talked about maybe a little bit here and there, not really um, delved into this particular part of cardiovascular health. We've had topics on heart rhythms. We've had topics on ischemia of the heart. We've um, talked about the cardiovascular system in terms of the heart. But let's talk about it in terms of our brain health. And so today we have with us Miss, you know what? Jovely. That, I just wanted to make sure before we even started, I kept saying it in my head. And I was like, oh, I want to make sure that I say her name correctly. <laughs> we have Ms. Jovalee Thompson here with us. She is a nurse from Johns Hopkins Bayview Medical Center, and she is a nurse that's in the neuro ICU unit there. And we met each other at a family gathering of mine, actually, got to talking around the table. I tell you guys how these conversations around tables lead to these aha moments. And I was like, you have to come and talk to our community. So welcome, Ms. Jovalee. Welcome to the community today. Thank you for having me. Really excited. It is our pleasure. So I wanted to start out by asking you, you know, I gave a little bit of what you do, but what do you do? Tell us in your words, you know, what do you do on a daily basis? Oh, wow. So (laughs) one of the... um, greatest realizations that I had when I became a nurse is actually how much nurses do. Um, Ah, And (laughs) so we we are the point people for um, the interaction between the patient and the greater healthcare system. Ah, Um, And so we give medications, we uh, start IVs, we um, are basically the the doctors will... uh, write out orders and Mm -hmm. we carry them out. Uh uh Um, So on a daily basis, I will be assessing my patient. I will be giving them medications. If uh, there are any changes in their hemodynamic status, I need to assess that and relay that to the doctor. And then that um, in turn will cause usually uh, the plan of care to change. Mm -hmm. and I will perform the intervention that needs to happen. Wow, that's a great synopsis. Yeah. I loved that synopsis of of what telling us what you do and how you fit into the care team as a critical. You're like the linchpin, mm-hmm. actually. I mean, you know, you're not only the point person for the patient to the greater healthcare team, but you're like the right hand person for the physician. When that mm-hmm. physician nursing relationship yeah. works very well, yes, it works trust, very well. Yes, <laughs> I have been on that side of things where it works very, very well. And so you do this particular, you're that particular point person on a neuro ICU unit. And that's where we're going to spend our conversation today. So 
tell me what a neuro ICU nurse, what are some of your major responsibilities? And then we're going to take a step back and we're going to go back to how even a person gets on your unit. Mm -hmm. So tell me, what are some, uh, what do you do as a neuro um, ICU nurse on on a daily basis? So it just depends on the patient and what they need. Mm. Um, in the neuro ICU, no patient is the same. Every uh-huh. patient needs a different uh, course of action. So um, we get a lot of strokes okay. and we get traumatic brain injuries. Uh-huh. Um, we also get uh, hydrocephalus, um, oh. intracranial pressure issues. Um, so it just depends on the patient. Okay. And so if... In, okay, so in the case of uh, a stroke, yeah. if it was a hemorrhagic stroke, mm-hmm. um, a ruptured aneurysm or a subarachnoid hemorrhage, um, then a drain might need to be placed. And um, in the neuro ICU, we have two teams, uh, neurology and neurosurgery. Uh-huh. So neurology is the sh- um, medical management, uh, usually the strokes uh, and traumatic brain injuries right. that don't need to be sur- sur- surgically managed. Okay. Neurosurgery is for the surgical procedures. Right. So in the event of a brain bleed that mm-hmm. requires a drain to be placed, that would be under neurosurgery. And then we would manage that drain. And, re- and um, with uh, the drain placement, you also monitor the intracranial pressure levels. Wow. And if they go too high, if they go too low, then the nurse is the one that's monitoring that and relaying that information to the doctor so that the plan of care can be altered. Wow. Mm-hmm. That is that opened my eyes because a lot of times when I thought neuro ICU, I really only put them under, put stroke victims mm-hmm. under your care. But as you just pointed out, traumatic brain injury, hydrocephalus, all of that goes under your umbrella. Mm-hmm. So we're going to partic- we're going to we're going to look particularly at stroke victims. Mm -hmm. So when someone has a stroke, and you mentioned a hemorrhagic stroke, Mm -hmm. there's also ischemic Ischemic, stroke. Um, When I can, I try to interject some of the science, and you can help me here Mm -hmm. because this is your your area of expertise. (laughs) I also tell people, you know, I'm not a a neurologist, nor am I a neurosurgeon. Uh, So I interject the science as the best of where I am. Mm -hmm. So when someone has a stroke, when they have a hemorrhagic stroke, that is a bleed, that is a blood vessel that has ruptured. Yes. And so there is blood that is extravasating or going out of the vessels into areas that it's not supposed to be. Exactly. So it can cause an increase in pressure yes. that then pushes against vital brain structures. Right. And you also have... Uh, because the vessel is now not intact, oxygen is not getting to the areas of the brain that it usually um, gets to. Exactly, which in turn now gives you some symptoms. Yes. So either they cannot speak, depending on which area of the brain is affected. Exactly. They cannot move. Right. They have uh, extremity weakness. Mm -hmm. Um, There may also be some facial drooping. Uh Um, So FAST is the acronym. Yes, yes, yes. I was hoping we'd get there. (laughs) So go ahead. Tell us about FAST. FAST. So um, FAST is the acronym that... um, outlines the symptoms of a stroke. So F is for facial arm 
or, or facial drooping. Um, they might have drooping on the right or the left side, depending mm-hmm. on which area of the brain is affected. Um, a is uh, arm weakness. So if you hold out your arms, and this is uh, an assessment that we do in our patients, we ask them to hold out their arms like they're holding a pizza mm-hmm. and then close their eyes. If one um, arm is drooping or they are unable to um, lift them both to the same level with the same strength. That's also a symptom mm-hmm. of a stroke. Um, S is the speech that you talked about. Slurred speech is also mm-hmm. um, one of the symptoms. And then T is time. So time is of the essence when you're dealing with a stroke. Um, you need to get to a hospital very quickly, um, ideally. Uh, so if it's an ischemic stroke, um, TPA, which is a clot buster, mm-hmm. um, needs to be administered within three and a half to four hours after the symptoms are first wow. noticed. So time is of the essence yeah. to get to the hospital, figure out if it is an ischemic or a hemorrhagic stroke, and then um, go from there. Wow, that that's great. So the acronym is FAST. Yes. I want everybody to remember that. F-A-S-T. Yes. Facial drooping, mm-hmm. arm weakness, weakness, slurred speech, mm-hmm. and then time is of the essence. So call 911. Yes, immediately. Exactly. As soon as you... Wow, that that is excellent, excellent information. Mm -hmm. And then we have the ischemic stroke, Mm -hmm. which again, you still need to know the FAST acronym, correct? So both strokes present the same way, Uh but Uh the time is of the essence to uh, differentiate which type of stroke Uh it is because they're not treated the same. There you go. So ischemic stroke means that there was a block that is preventing the blood to going to a certain area of the brain. Again, not giving oxygen to those brain structures, thus impending or impeding the symptoms are, are actually impeding your ability to do what you would normally do. Exactly. So that's why they can present the same way, mm-hmm. but they're treated differently. Exactly. That is excellent information. Well, I mean, I remember when my father had his stroke, um, it was about 10 years ago now, and his presentation was basic, was was classic, mm-hmm. but the symptoms resolved quickly. Mm. Yeah. So they did not go seek help. He remember they did not go seek help until the next morning, right? When he's talking to me and over the phone, and I'm now going, wait a minute, you had a stroke. You need to go and get evaluated. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was the slurred speech. My mother couldn't understand what he was saying. She thought he was playing around because he was a joker. But she was like, I can't understand you. What are you saying? And then by the time she came, he was trying to push himself off the sofa, weakness on the left side. Mm-hmm. By the time she had gone to get a friend who was staying at the house and come back, said something's going on. He had gotten up and gotten to their bed from the sofa and the symptoms had seemed to resolve. Mm-hmm. And now we realize he was thinking he had had a stroke because he says to her, let me squeeze your fingers with both my hands. Mm-hmm. And he says, does one feel weaker than the other? And she's like, no, not really. So those symptoms can resolve. That's why time right. is of the essence. Right. And what he likely had was a TIA or a mini stroke. Right. Right. At so, that at that presenting at, time. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And with those uh, smaller strokes, uh, a lot of people don't seek medical attention because they do resolve, but 
those uh, TIAs or the mini strokes are an indicator of a major stroke yes. uh, later on. Yes, so. yes, because by the time he got into the hospital the next day and they did the scan, mm-hmm. the neurologist came in and said, Mr. Webb, you've had a big stroke. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, that, and that is just one story that I, I have in my, in my little story box. But I know that there are so many other people that do the same thing, mm-hmm. that they'll say, oh, I'll go or I'll go later or that resolved. But you're saying we still need to seek medical attention. Definitely, because um, going to the hospital, even if you don't feel that there are any is anything clinically wrong with you, um, just doing the workup mm-hmm. and cha- and knowing that there this event is a catalyst for change because changing your diet or, or your medication schedule, your dosages, that will set you on a path to prevent any later issues. And if you have a mini stroke and don't do anything about it, then that is, an, like I said, an indicator that you have a bigger stroke within mm-hmm. a year. It's, I think it's oh, about wow. 60%. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So one thing I did want to ask you, are, are all of the patients that you treat that have come in due to a stroke, mm-hmm. since we're dealing with the stroke side of the neuro um, ICU, are all of them impaired to the point where they need help being on a ventilator at that time? Or are some of them um, there and not necessarily on ventilator or supportive measures? Yes. So not everyone in the ICU is on a ventilator. Okay. Um, and you can have a patient that presents walk or walking and talking mm-hmm. um, without any... Uh, discernible deficits and can decompensate very quickly. Ah. So um, that happens. Yeah. And so they'll they'll be in the ICU just in case okay. um, they need to 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 um, implement more advanced measures. Okay. So I actually had a patient um, who came in and was complaining of a headache. She had mm. been, or a headache and CT showed uh, a bleed mm. and um, she was in the ICU, she was placed on a bed and we admitted her and then within about an hour or so, she was talking, she was thrashing and uh, when she came in complained of a a really bad headache within about an hour or so she had stopped talking and she had become very um, uh, disoriented yes, unresponsive so the bleed had progressed to a point to where she um, had lost alertness and orientation. Then they had to um, level one her to the OR wow. to, to get her drain placed. So see that just even under the medical team's care, mm-hmm. we they have to be able to notice those changes immediately exactly. because again, time, is of time, time, time. Exactly. Is everybody getting this recurring <laughs> theme? Time, time, time is of the essence. So now. Um, let, let's kind of go back and say, um, how can a person avoid <laughs> coming to see you? I mean, you're a great person, <laughs> lovely young lady, wonderful <laughs> personality. I know you, you know, have to be a great nurse to be at Johns Hopkins mm-hmm. you know, facility. But how can we avoid seeing you? <laughs> how can people avoid that? Um, if it is within your means and your power, it 
anytime you just feel that there's something not right, like you know your body, if you feel that something is not right, please don't hesitate to go to some, the hospital, the emergency room, a primary care doctor, just to have somebody else um, just objectively assess you, check you out, and and either confirm that there's something uh, there or say, no, it's fine, and, mm-hmm. and, and send mm-hmm. you on your way. The second big thing is if you have a chronic illness, high blood pressure, diabetes, please manage it and take your medications. Hmm. Non-compliance with medications, and we don't like, it's very loaded. That's a very loaded term um, in the hospital. (laughs) Um, But non-compliance with medication is such a big factor with um, these acute events Mm -hmm. because you... Unfortunately, um, people may not be able to afford their medication and then um, end up in the hospital because of uh, not uh, consistently taking it. But if you are in a position where you can afford your medication and you just consciously choose not to take them, please know that you are, it's a risk. You're playing Russian roulette with your body. And I, I would hate to have you on the other side of... Yes. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Because so thinking about you mentioned high hypertension and diabetes, mm-hmm. those are the two big, you know, they go hand in hand a right. lot of times. Um, thinking of the hypertensive side of things. So you have this high pressure gradient mm-hmm. and you have this high pressure that's pushing the blood through the vessels. Right. And the bl- blood vessels can only relax to a certain extent. Exactly. And when you go past the pressure point that they are willing to relax, then that's when you can have a weakening in the wall. Mm -hmm. You can burst through, and that can cause those hemorrhagic types of events. Exactly. And so that is why, you know, people I used to hear growing up, oh my gosh, his blood pressure was at stroke level. (laughs) Um, But that's really what they were talking Mm -hmm. about. You know, we talk all the time on the show about how some of our four for parents, they may not have had the verbiage, but they kind of understood what mm-hmm. was going on. Um, but that was something that was real because your blood pressure can actually get to a point where it literally does put a strain on the actual vessels. Right. And the vasculature can only take so much. Right. So the other thing is diabetes. Um a lot of people don't realize how diabetes leads to a risk for cardiovascular disease. Mm-hmm. And at, what I like to do is tell people how what happens is when you have this excess sugar floating around in your blood vessels, it actually um, is like caustic. Right. It's caustic to the vascular lining. Exactly. And one physician, we were talking and he helped me think about it. He's like, it's almost like when the sugar touches the blood vessels, it causes like little burns or little damages. Mm-hmm. And so you have to have cholesterol come and patch up those little walls areas. And that's what it's supposed to do. But when you have a buildup of cholesterol, when you have right. the wrong type of cholesterol, right. the ones that are nice and sticky and heavy and don't have the nice big fluffy type of cholesterol that comes through and cleans out the vessels, you have this plaque buildup now that can block the flow of blood. So now we have an ischemic issue. Exactly. So that's how these two types of chronic illnesses, like you've talked about, can lead 
someone to have to see you, mm-hmm. unfortunately. Yes. And like I said, wonderful young lady folks sitting here, you know, in yes. any other setting, you would like to meet her, right. Right. but not in the neuro ICU, not in the neuro ICU. So how does a person transition from the neuro ICU? Um, I know we used to call them step down units. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's still the, the yes. terminology now. Yes. Um, so is it, yeah, tell, tell us how, how um, a person can transition from the neuro ICU to a step-down unit. So um, at Bayview, the ICU, the intermediate care unit, and the floor are all basically on the same plane. They're on the same okay. floor. So it's very seamless in the fact that um, someone can be in the ICU and then literally a few feet away is uh, in the um, intermediate care unit can be their uh, next room if okay. their level of care is um, uh, is uh, turned down or, yes, stepped yeah, down. Yeah. Um, and so it just depends on the acuity level of the patient. So once they're no longer hemodynamically unstable, um, then they can be transitioned into the inter- intermediate care unit. And um, at that point, uh, either there's still um, uh, procedurally some things that need to be managed. Let's say a, a trach kiosk uh, was yeah. placed, a peg was placed, mm-hmm. and they still need physical and um, occupational therapy. Okay. Um, there is mainly... Uh, to get the patient ready enough to transition into a uh, home, hopefully, or a subacute uh, rehab facility. Right, right. Okay, okay. So there are certain procedures that need to be followed and almost certain checklists mm-hmm. that have to be checked off so that you can then keep going to transition to home. Exactly. And be able to know that you can then function, mm-hmm. you know, at a certain level of safety. Right. Because there could be some residual types of weaknesses or um, symptoms that are still, that they're still working on. Right. Such as speech, speech. and swallowing. Exactly. Being able to eat mm-hmm. the different types of heavier foods again, because if they're not able to protect their airways, right. they can aspirate. aspirate. Food can go to the wrong area. Exactly. That causes pneumonia. Which and is then a whole other issue. Yes. So there are... Okay. So... There are certain checklists, like I said, there's certain checkboxes almost that need to happen. Mm-hmm. And there's a whole team that will make sure that these checkboxes are checked off right. so that we can see the progress. Mm-hmm. And then then as a team, there's then the decision that says, okay, this person can now transition out of our our setting. Our care, yes. And they can either go, like you said, a sub, subacute care setting. So that's even like a long-term care, oh, like rehab, rehab facility. facility. Yes. Um, they can then do some things at home. Yes. There are outpatient um, rehab uh, that uh, can be put in place as well. If you, right. If the patient is stable enough to be home and then they have the resources to set up um, someone to come by on a, a regular basis and do physical therapy, speech therapy or whatever wow. um, they need. All right. So one other quick question um, that I would like to ask you personally, how did you decide on neuro ICU? I know mm-hmm. uh, we start, started talking about this briefly before we started recording. When it's time for us to graduate from medical school, we, we are deciding what area, what specialty we're going to go in. And then we do a residency and that's kind of our path. Mm-hmm. 
do you get to choose which area you want to do um, as a nurse as you come out of school? Is there how does that work for you? Yes. So I've always been interested in the brain and um, I always found it fascinating. Um, in undergrad, neuroscience was my major. Actually. Ah, yes. So <laughs> I, it's been a long time coming. Um, but in nursing school, uh, they expose you to all different types of nursing. Yeah. So labor and delivery, mm-hmm. um, the ICU, yeah. um, surgical, right. uh, um, PACU, OR. Uh, so you have a, a little uh, taste, mm-hmm, uh, if mm-hmm. you will, of the different areas and specialties that you could potentially work in. So for me, um, if I wasn't in the neuro ICU, my next uh, choice would be the NICU because uh, I oh, wow. really enjoy the babies. Um, <laughs> yeah, like different ends of the spectrum. Yes. Wow. Okay. Okay. But um, right now, I think it's uh, really invaluable for me to get uh, experience and a skill set with the adult population, uh, especially um, neuro, because it is very specialized, yeah. but um, there's a lot going on. And the brain and um, its impact on all of your other systems yes. is is very, um, it's it's important to understand, and it affects the everything you do yes, as a nurse. Yes. So understanding um, how the brain or, or any issues or injuries to it can affect your speech, can affect your GI motility, can affect mm-hmm. your um, your ability to walk in and do things for yourself. Um, and as a nurse, understanding how to treat that um, in a holistic manner, I think um, that skill set is, is really invaluable. So wow. before I go to the babies, I think... I see you. This is a great segue into my next question. If you know, we have people listening to you and someone says, this sounds so awesome. What would they need to do? What are the steps that they would need to do to do what you do? So you spoke about going, you know, undergrad, you had neuroscience as a major. Tell us, just kind of give us a general overview of what it takes to get to where you, you are now. Mm-hmm. Well, my path is well, my path is quite different and okay. convoluted. Um, and that's okay. You don't have to go through the avenue that I went through to do okay. what I do. So um, the most direct and straightforward way is to go to nursing school. Um, and uh, I went to Hopkins uh, Nursing School, and they have a second-degree program for uh. people who already have a bachelor's in something else. Okay. So I have a master's of science in nursing. Um you don't have to have a master's of science in nursing in order to be a nurse. Okay. You can go to... <laughs> like, <laughs> right. <laughs> you can um, go to any accredited nursing school program mm. and uh, either take the prerequisites before going or uh, some programs uh, incorporate that into their curriculum. Um, finish... Take the NCLEX, okay. uh, which is the licensure exam for nursing. Uh-huh. Uh, pass that, uh-huh. and then get a job in gotcha. um, whatever field you, you want. Really, okay, you want to do. so you're bec- when you're getting a taste of all the different areas when you're going through your clinicals. Mm-hmm. That's what a lot of us call. You know, that's that's the yeah. that's the time where you're you take the book stuff, right. the the boring stuff, <laughs> and well, all that foundation, and then you're able to see it 
in a practical setting. Yes. And that's when you can get a taste of all the different areas and kind of make a decision like, hey, yeah, this is what I think I want to do. Yes. And so at any time, though, it sounds like you can then say, okay, I, I've done what I wanted to do in this area or I've made my contributions mm-hmm. and now it's time for me to transition Yes, and go to a different area. And you can go to a totally different you area. Can. And that's what drew me to nursing initially mm-hmm. um, because I've always been interested in uh, the medical field and healthcare right. and science. And, um, but I, I really... Well, initially, I wanted to do research, ah. and I was very re- research-minded and research-focused, and I, before I went to nursing school, um, I was my intent on doing a PhD in neuroscience. Ah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes, so that was that was my plan, but I, um, I wanted it to be apl- applicable uh-huh. and um, transferable to people. I, yes. I want to see the impact um, on people because I feel like, you know... That's, That's what we do it for. Yes, yeah. Um, so uh, after uh, grappling with not going down the research route, I was thinking about um, what I wanted to do. And uh, my sister, actually, she encouraged me to think of the nursing route because mm. she says, oh, I actually, like, I've always seen you as a nurse. And I'd never thought wow. about that. Um, so I... And when I was um, doing my initial research, I started at a point of nurse researcher like positions um, mm-hmm. and, and how that would make sense for me. Um, and then I stumbled upon a beautiful role, a nurse practitioner. And I was like, yes, this is what I want to do. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, so I did more research in that um area and I spoke with nurse practitioners and I was like, yeah, I can totally do that. So that's what uh, lit the fire in me to actually go down the the nursing route. Um, But I think that uh, with other people who would like to uh, get into healthcare Mm -hmm. and um, the medical field in general, um, it's invaluable to immerse yourself in that space because the hospital is a very we are our own bubble our own little microcosm (laughs) ecosystem um and it's very it's run a certain way Mm -hmm. it's done things are done a certain way and i was unit secretary uh, i worked as unit secretary in a neuro icu before i went to nursing school yes just to get that experience in a unit and see how it's run and see you know um if i would actually you know, like to do right. and be a nurse. Right. Um, so that secondhand experience and just talking to nurses and um, getting their perspectives, I think really shaped my decision um, to do this. So I think that I've made the right decision. Um, it's really lovely when uh, you can follow somebody from their admission mm-hmm. on a unit to their departure from a unit. Right. Um, and, right. Uh, when your patients, you know, tell you that you're doing a good job and, you know, they're like, oh, I never want to come back here. But if I come back, like, I want you as my nurse. And I'm <laughs> right, like, oh, right. exactly. I don't want to see you either. Right. Don't come back. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. So oh, that, it, wow. it's, it's, a, it's a really great thing. That yeah. is awesome. That is just great. I mean, I could sit here and talk to you for so much longer <laughs> a time, but I am looking at our time and it's time for us to wrap things up in a nice little little bow. Um, we usually ask our guests to give our 
our community a tip of the day. Mm -hmm. It can be on the subject we're talking about or anything that's on your heart. Mm -hmm. And so if you would give us a tip of the day, that would be wonderful. I would like to say, um, just be in tune with yourself and your body. Um, pay attention, pay attention. It's so easy for us to get distracted with all of the various things that, you know, life throws at us. Um, but take the time to be intentional about yourself. Um, and I think that that will, uh, that speaks to not just the the medical and clinical aspect, mm-hmm. but also other areas mm-hmm. of, of your life, um, and it will help you. Uh, I think if you do that. But I'm just pretty fat. Mm-hmm. Thank you. What do I know? You are, you are wise. <laughs> you are wise. You've given us some great, great information today, and some things to really ponder and think about. Uh, and so we thank you so much for coming and sitting in the House Call community. And we would love to have you come back and talk more about, you know, taking care of ourselves. And we could even, you know, talk about a particular subject, you know, break it down to maybe even a particular habit of some sort. So thank you so much for coming. And until next time, we will see you guys back here in the community. Bye now.